here to be a part of. If you have your Bibles, turn with me if you would to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. Whoo, hallelujah. Matthew chapter 28. We'll read about, I don't know, 10 verses. And then we're going to talk to you for a minute. How many knows he's still alive as much this week as he was last week? Just as much. He's just as living as he is, was last week as he, as he is this week. So uh, don't, don't forget that. So uh, it's very important. Matthew 28, we're going to continue. Incredible series we started last week called The Story. Verse 1, it says this. Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning, and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. For he is risen. Now, if I'd have said that last week, y'all would have been like, glory! <laughs> glory to God. He is risen. Amen. We got to get out of that religious mindset that we can only celebrate him being alive once a year. We got to get, get, got to get rid of that, church. We got to get that mindset out of, out of the way. He is risen, as he said. I love, he, he always does what he says. That I preach right there. I went into my notes. I'm gonna throw that in there. He always does what he says he'll do. That's why it's so important that you know this word. Because when you find out what he said and you say, wait a minute, he said that to me, then you get happy because you know he's gonna do something in your life. So again, he always does what he says. Come see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead, and indeed he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring his disciples' word. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them saying, Rejoice. So they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell. Look at your neighbor and say, Tell. My brethren, to go into Galilee... And there they will see me. Let's pray together. God, thank you today for your word. Thank you that it is life. It is more, Lord, than we can even comprehend today in just one message. So I ask that you'll do this. Let it be seed that gets in us and just continues to grow. And we'll continue to see the fruit come from this word today, God. And I pray that we'll be challenged by it. We'll be different because of it. And each of us, God, will walk in a new anointing, God, going forth and doing what you've asked us to do. God, thank you for the greatest story you've given us. Thank you that it's real. It's true. We can live it and walk in it today. And I give you thanks for it all in Jesus' mighty name name. Amen. 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 Before we, um, I don't know, took a, took a, maybe a, just a little bit of a segue break from now what series and celebrated last week, the story. And, and, uh, I was going to actually, after last week, go back into now what, but it was amazing as I sat down and looked at the things that we begin to just digest and separate in the Acts chapter two story of the early church, we looked at all the things that the early church did that was what made them successful, and we begin to break it down. It was amazing. We had two left, and of the two that we had left, 
uh, as I was looking at this and as I was reading the story, preparing for this message, it was amazing that what I saw left in the Now What series is two things that leaped out of, out of this book into my heart that we had seen in the story itself. And so we're just going to continue this series of story, and we're going to look at these two things. And again, this is why it's so cool. And the Bible works the way that it works. They did this in the story. Then in Acts chapter 2, they continued to do these things. And because they did these things, God did his thing. Oh, that's good. And, and, and so this is how it works. They did it in the story. They did it in Acts chapter 2. And now we must continue forth doing what they did. So the things that I'm going to tell you this week and next week, and we're going to look at and break down, again, it's just going to be a, just an addition to the series that we, we started again a few months ago, a couple months ago, and, and hit last week. And I'm just pumped about talking to it about today. But again, last week we celebrated Easter. This week we celebrate Easter. Amen. We're celebrating that he's living and he's a live God and it's just amazing. That was without a doubt, without a doubt, without question, the greatest event in the history of the world. By far, just without question, that was what Jesus did on the cross and how he conquered death, held the grave, came back forth from the grave and now is living is without doubt the greatest story that we can celebrate and it is all because of Jesus that we're alive. It's all because of him. It's all because of what he did for us. And I love that story. But here's the truth about the story. He didn't just die on the cross to make you feel better. Hmm. Oh, I can see y'all going to be quieter today than y'all were last week. That's okay. That means I'm hitting you somewhere. And it's hurting just a little bit. But it is. We come in and we rejoice. And we should rejoice. It's the, it's the first thing Jesus said recorded after he came back. Rejoice. We need to. But again, there's a lot more to the story. And he didn't just come and die on the cross so that we could just feel better about ourselves. He didn't just come so we can just feel, well, maybe a, a, a little bit better. And no, he came and loved us. And died on the cross. So because of that love that we've experienced, we can go forth and share it with someone else. Now hold on, I'm going to show it to you. The reason he gave his life and you experienced that love was so that you can in turn go forth and share that love with someone else. Now we've seen people give their lives to Jesus last week. We saw people give their lives to Jesus last week. Oh, they're making y'all look bad over there. Amen, amen, amen. And that's the reason to celebrate. Amen. But here's the truth about that. The, the, just you giving your life to Jesus, that's not you crossing the finish line. Dun, 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 dun. And we look and the, the, the tape is pulled across and we come across the line and we think that's it, the celebration. And a lot of times in the church today, we look at it that way. We get saved and then we stand on the sideline watching everybody else who may cross the line and patty cake a little bit as they cross the line. That is not the finish line for us. It is the starting block for us. It is the place that we come out of the gate, we give our lives to Jesus, and then we go toward a place. Because I, I think this is true. If he wanted you to just get saved, he would have saved you, then killed you. 
The altars are open. Anybody who wants to get saved today, come on down. And, and uh, it doesn't work that way. He, he, he didn't just, just save you and then Enoch you and just take you out of here. He left you here for a reason. I believe there's a purpose. I believe there's a reason that, that He saved us, gave us salvation, hung on the cross, gave His life for us, came out of the grave. We accepted that love, walked in it, received in it, and this story didn't stop. It began right there for us. And it's in that moment that we begin to take the love that we experienced and the love that we encountered and then take it forth and begin to use it and begin to to, to share that message and see other lives saved. See other lives changed. See other people experience what we experienced. Now, we've been getting some freedom on Wednesday nights. I'm telling you, you you need to be here on Wednesday nights. Just some incredible teachings. We've been getting set free from any kind of legalistic stuff and and realizing and learning that we don't do all the stuff that we do to get Jesus to love us. We do the stuff we do because he loves us. And it's because we're free. It's because of what Jesus did for us. Then we walk forth and we give and we serve and we love and we do all these things that we've been provided for us. But I heard somebody say something the other day and it just it needs, to, it needs to be repeated. And the quote was this, and I love it. It says this, works won't save you, but your lack of work will stop a lot of people from being saved. Yeah. Worse won't save you, but your lack of work will stop a lot of people from being saved. So maybe, you know, what I grew up in and, and being pushed to, to do the works and do the things maybe has some good significance to it, not just for me, but for those that I'm called to affect, those that I'm called to share the gospel with, because we, have, we must come to a place to where we do what they did in Acts chapter 2 and what they did in the story today, and that is this word called evangelism. You can write that down in the back of your worship guide. Highlight it, put stars beside it. It is the word evangelism. Now, where I came up and what I grew up in, I think we had just <clears throat> maybe a wrong picture of what evangelism was. Evangelism, where I grew up, was a position, it was a title. An evangelist was someone who once a year came around to your church. They had a swoop. <laughs> if you've ever been in church, you'll know what a swoop is. A swoop is a dude that goes up and just <laughs> comes in. Nothing wrong with a swoop. If you got a swoop, that's awesome. Some people wish you had a swoop, wish you had enough hair to do a swoop. But, but <laughs> my fault, my fault. But I'm getting some witnesses on this side. Amen, amen. But... We looked at it as just someone who went around and they just began to preach a series of messages in a church and we liked it. Growing up, being younger, we enjoyed it because we saw our pastor all year long. How many know we got tired of him? Don't let you say amen in this church right now. You remain silent. Just remain silent. Everything you say can will be used against you. Amen. We enjoyed it because we saw the pastor every Sunday. And we enjoyed the evangelist because he would come in and he would get a little bit more excited than just our regular pastor. And, and every now and then, the church I grew up in, you see him hit the tops of the pews and, and take off running and, and preach and, and do some stuff. And, and we'd go back and forth and we'd do all these things. And it was really cool and we enjoyed it. But as I think now, was that evangelism? 
Because what he did was just preach to a church who heard about Jesus every day and every week anyway. Not saying that was wrong, but was it really the full manifestation of what evangelist is called to be? And this is what's really cool about evangelism. Each of us are called to be one. This is the definition. It means to preach the gospel. It means to convert to Christianity. So that means that every person in this room is therefore called evangelist and called to share the good news. That means this. That means people can get saved in Walmart. In Walgreens. On Malden Road. On Walgreens on Malden Road. I'm going to say it again. They've been helping us out, giving us a lot of stuff, and they've been sponsoring us. So I'm going to give them a little plug again. On Walgreens, people need to be getting saved. But again, it is because Jesus has done all these things for us, and we realize that we begin to take that message and share it with others. Every person in this room is called to be an evangelist. Every one of us in this room, we're called to share this and share the good news of others because this is what happens. The story that I preached about, the story that we're talking about, Jesus coming and dying, that story is about, I said last week, who? Us. Well, no, it's 2,000 years ago and that really does. No, it's about us today. It's about what we're called to do. It's about us. The story that happened, if you heard that good news, you received that good news, you heard the story, now what you're called to do is take the story and share it with others. Just it. Just simply, you take the story and you share it with others. But there's some things that kind of must happen in order for you to be able to do that. There must be a time and a place for you when you heard the story and received it. So the question is this, when did you find Jesus? Or when did he find you? Last year. There should be a moment. There should be a time. Listen, there should be a place. Now, I'm not the greatest with days. Don't say amen, my wife. I'm not the greatest with days. I can look at your face and I can remember it 20 years from now. We were at the funeral home the other day for, for a friend of ours whose mom had passed away and I've seen someone in 22 years. I remember them, their name, what happened, all this kind of stuff because I remembered that. Not good with dates. Not really good with numbers. My wife, she can remember a number from 1,400 years ago that was shared to her, a phone number, she, you can ask her. She's like the, the little, uh, you know, um, Google at her work. Angel, what's the number to Walmart or so-and-so? She, she tells them. What's the number to so-and-so here? She begins to tell them. I'm not good with that. But we should be able to remember the time when we received Jesus. Now, for me, I can't tell you the exact date it was. I can tell you how old I was. I can tell you what happened. I can tell you what went on, what I heard that day, the story that was presented to me, the story that I heard, the story that I received, and I accepted Jesus that day, and my life changed because of it. Now, here's the question. For us, there should be a time when we accepted him. Now, here's the thing. If we're going right now, we're saying, man, and you're, this is racing through your mind, and you're trying to remember, and I don't really remember that ever happening. I've just been in church my whole life and I've always been to church and I've always went to Sunday school and I've always did this and I've always did that. If you don't remember a time when you met Jesus, I remember the time when I met my wife. I remember the time when I met my children and they came into this world. It's changed me. 
And I remember the time I met Jesus because it changed me. It made me different. So here's the question, and we must all answer this. When do we meet him? And if we can't answer that today, you know something? No time about the present. Why not on April 11, 2010, we can receive Jesus and know the day that we met him and we heard the story that he gave for us. I want to queue up this, this video, and I want you to just check this out for just a minute. This is why it's so important that we share the story to others. church services regularly. Now, some people say, well, we've got a building now. It's pretty full. We've got a good group of folks. Uh, we can just kind of sit back and cruise and, and relax and, and, and chill just a little bit now because we've kind of... Re- no, listen, fewer than 20%. <laughs> the number one reason they don't attend is they're too busy. Okay. 150,000 people walk away from the church every week. 82% of the unchurched say they would come if they were asked. And this is the one that blew me away. I'm, I'm just praying and, and hoping again nobody in this place is a statistic because this blew me away. Lifeway Research put this out. Only 2% of church members invite an unchurched person each year. Now, I could... Almost be okay with that if that was weekly. Only 2% invite somebody to church every week. 
I'd be okay. Maybe. I want to be okay with that. I would be closer to accepting that, Pastor Ralph, if that was a statistic. But 2% a year? Just tell the story. One of my favorite stories in the whole Bible is the guy who was blind, and Jesus touched him and opened up his eyes, and he could see. And this is what's cool, and I love it. And we're going to break this down in just a second. Simply the truth was this. They wanted to question him, find out who did it, how did it happen, who was the sinner, why did it come from, was there stigmatism, was there something else, was there, was there a cataract? Where did it, it doesn't matter, the guy said. He said, all I know is this, I was blind, now I can see. And it's simply you telling the story which you were a part of becomes your story. But this is what's wrong a lot of times. We want to get prideful because now we're in church and we're cleaned up and we can't let nobody know what we did. I'm getting real pumped because we have a group of our ladies that are going through something right now called Cleansing Stream. And they're getting freed up. And they're getting delivered from some stuff and set free so they can begin to tell people their story. And what's really cool is this is the deal. We get hurt and we get upset because of what happened in our story. But here's the thing. We've been redeemed from that. We've been set free from that. We've been delivered from that. And now we go forth and we tell that story to others. I want you to look at what happened in the Bible. Let's break this down quickly. Matthew 28. Look at verses 6 through 8. This is why we must do this today. And this is how the story continues. It said, He is not here for He is risen. As He said, Come see the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly and tell. The first thing that she was asked to do, she comes in and she sees the place where Jesus was, not is. Pastor Stephen said it last week, it's what separates us from every other, whatever you want to call religion, whatever you want to say, our God's living. Every other one is dead. Every one of them died, didn't come back. He's still alive. And it's, the, and it's the reason they went in and saw that. You know, the stone was rolled away not so God could get out. He was like, get there. Come on, when's that angel going to come? No, it was rolled away so that she could go in because they invited her in. And they said, we want you to see more proof, more evidence that this is where he lay. This is where he was. And she saw this. And then she witnessed that. And then the first thing that she was told to do was, you go and you tell someone else. You go and you tell someone else. She said, go quickly. Don't wait. Don't say, I'm going to let this message kind of just get in my spirit and just kind of just for a while. Just kind of let a thing just kind of just churn. And and, and I know he said, go quickly. Well, you know, she did not go to Bible school first. They didn't take her through any 12-step. They didn't deliver her from everything that she had carried and everything that she had went through and all that she had done. She witnessed where Jesus was, witnessed the resurrection of what had happened, how he had changed the entire history of the world, and said, you go quickly and do this. Just go quickly. You go quickly. Tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran. When was the last time we ran out of church? 
We might have some visitors come in. We scared them. They might have ran out. You know, one of those deals. But when was the last time we ran out of church looking for someone to tell about Jesus? Just, just think, you don't have to answer this thing. Just let this sit for just a second. This was the first commandment that she was given. And she received this. And again, this is what's cool about it. This lady, these women who had heard the gospel, been changed by Jesus, got up and they began to run and go towards all those that they could come in contact with and tell the story. She, I mean, just, I, I wonder sometimes the reason we don't witness is because maybe we haven't never witnessed anything. Maybe because we really haven't saw him. Because when you do seek him, you will find him. When you go after him, you'll discover him. And when you witness the resurrection, when you witness what he done for you, and you get a clear picture of him, you will change. And you'll begin to run forth and you'll begin to go out. And she went and she told the story. Let's keep going. Verse 9. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, rejoice. Did you catch that? As they went out to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them. Anytime we're willing to tell the story, we get a greater revelation of who Jesus is. Anytime we're willing to tell what he did for us, it's in that place that we meet him. And a lot of times, and again, we must do these things. We must pray, pray, fast, seek God, take time to do those things. But we will see Jesus when we go forth and begin to tell others the story. We'll see him. It was when she began to run, to go forth, begin to share the good news. It was in that moment that she met Jesus. This, this story always just kind of, man, just continues to just open up my eyes and, and just... just just do some crazy stuff to me when I think about it. On her way to talk about him, she ran into him. The one who was the offering and the offerer. One who offered up the sacrifice and turned around and received the sacrifice that was offered up. She came into a place that she encountered him and Jesus and her began to talk. Why did it happen? Because she was willing to tell. Because she was willing to go forth and she was willing to tell this story to others. And he said this, and there's a couple of key things I believe about evangelism here we need to hear. So he said, rejoice. They came and held him by the feet and they worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. I don't know why we get fearful when it comes to talking about Jesus. We can talk about everything else. We can defend everything else. If somebody wants to talk about our sports team, we're going to fight. Turn the hat backwards. And we're ready to throw. And if, we, if we talk about, you talk about something, ready to go, ready to throw nuts because some, that means something to us. Maybe that has something to do with the reason that we don't talk about him enough. Does it mean enough to us? Pastor, I want us to go back and start talking about the resurrection again. It was a whole lot more fun. 
No, He was resurrected because of this. He was resurrected and our life was changed and, 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 and we received Him and our life was changed so that we can there go forth and tell others. And He said, don't be afraid about it. And again, we're bold about everything else. Where I was working at, uh, when we started this church, went back to a secular job, and, and uh, there was began to be a debate that came up over who was the better restaurant, P.F. Chang's or Lou's. We talked about this the other day, kind of got tickled about it. People was vocal. Oh, no, P.F. Chang's is better. Glory to God. No, Lou's is better. Lou's has better lettuce wraps. Oh, no, they do not. P.F. Chang's has better lettuce wraps. They have the bigger pieces of chicken and lettuce. Now, Listen. What does any of that really matter? Lose is better. <laughs> Just in case you're wrong. If you don't know that to be truth, come and repent. And it is, no, it's true. But what does it really matter? Why is it that we do that? Oh, South Carolina is better than Clemson. Thank you. Oh, no, they're not. Clemson's better. And, no. That's all fun. That's cool. I mean, I, I, that's okay. But why is it? We can get vocal about that. And we don't get vocal about the one who died on a cross for us so that we could have life. Dude, I'm missing it somewhere. She was commanded by the angel as she began to do it. And I love it. Just in case she didn't hear it, first thing that Jesus tells her to do is this He says, You now go and you tell story. You go forth and you tell the story because this is what's so cool and this is Jesus' words. Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brother to go into Galilee and there they will see me. Why is it so important that we go and tell so that they see Jesus? So they see us? No. So that we grow and go to second service and third service? So we, no, so that they see Jesus and the one who gave his life for us and changed us, they can now encounter that and no longer have to go to a place called hell, but instead go to a place called heaven because of what Jesus did for us. He said, go and tell them they will see him. Very simple. It's very easy. We tell the story. They see Jesus. And the moment they see him, their life changed. And I love this. It doesn't just stop there. He goes on. And if we look at this, I'm going to break it down quick because we've got some other things to talk about is this. In verses 16 through 20, after Jesus came back, was living, he brought them together. It says, the 11 disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. And they saw him. They worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, now here it is. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go. A little pattern going here. I think sometimes Jesus knows how stubborn we can be. And, 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 and he's got an angel saying go. And then he's coming here saying go. And then right before he leaves, one more time, I think you may need to. Therefore, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. 
pretty big, tall water. I can't do all of that. You know, but if every believer took that and ran with that, every nation would be discipled. And we're just called to do this, disciple the nation that we're a part of. For you, your nation might be Bryson Middle School, Hillcrest High School, Walmart. But whatever it is, we're called to do it there. Now, our vision, again, is a whole lot bigger and larger. And if you've been around here, you know some of the things that we've done. And and we've taken the gospel to other nations. And we've, we've taken Bibles. And there are people, I believe this, that are worshiping in foreign countries right now, looking at and reading Bibles that we placed in their hands. That's cool. That's awesome. We have an opportunity to talk in just here in just a moment to, to be a part of something that's way bigger than us. But what are we doing today with what's been placed in front of us right now? Bow your heads and close your eyes if you will for just a moment.